Do you like a good book? Do you like Dungeons & Dragons? Fancy combining them? Us too. Come join me, Fiona, and my good friend Ryan for The DM's Book Club, a weekly podcast where we read about some Dungeons & Dragons and discuss how we might include it in our role-playing campaigns. We're on Twitter at The DM's Book Club, and we've got an email too, thedmsbookclub at gmail.com. The DM's Book Club, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome, one and all, to Merely Roleplayers, where theatrical people play role-playing games. I'm Matt, I'm your compere for this uh, backstage episode from our main house show. I am joined, virtually, since this is another pandemic lockdown recording, by Dave. Hello. And by Ellen. Hello. And by subject of this backstage episode, uh, Josh. Hello. Welcome, everybody. How's everybody doing? All right, <laughs> considering. <laughs> this is a very strange circumstance, Matthew, I don't have to tell you, but uh, I'm excited to get started. Okay, well, getting started, diving straight in. Josh, tell us which of the Monster of the Week playbooks you picked and what drew you to it. So I have gone for the Spell Slinger, which appears to be a heavy magic user, a wizard or a mage of some description, if you're taking the terminology of classic role-playing games but I quite liked the term spell slinger and that's what's grabbed my attention is they haven't just decided to call call it a sorcerer or, 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 or jargon that is known in sort of the fantasy world I quite liked the mystery behind what spell slinger was and to be honest with you I also quite like playing roles in these games that have high intelligence or have high wisdom um, I like to know things I like to be smug about the things I know about when I play these games. Uh, and so I thought this sort of role just, I, I don't know, it, it had an air of sort of the, um, of, of, of the cavalier about it, slinging spells, throwing fire around without worrying about the, uh, uh, about the consequences, but also sort of um, uh, I'm looking to play a deep thinker. And this role seems to me it would be able to explore that realm a bit more. And of course, the other thing is this is a classic power trip because um, if I get to play, <laughs> if I get to play the wizard, then I get to decide a lot of the rules on magic, which uh, uh, for someone who enjoys world building as much as I do, I was keen to get involved and chat to you, Matt, about how this was going to play out. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, rules for how magic works for you. It doesn't necessarily sure. mean that's how it will work for everybody. But yeah, you Absolutely. get to define a, you get to define some stuff. Are there any archetypes or, or examples of this archetype from from TV, film, theatre, books uh, that, that you're kind of drawing on here or that, that fave examples of that from, from other things? So I've kind of shot myself in the foot because I decided to make a character that was as far away from what a traditional sort of fantasy realm wizard would be. I didn't want to have a pointy hat and a beard and a, and a staff or a wand in any way. I wanted to create something a little different. So, you know, I, I, I can't say Gandalf. I can't say any sort of D&D famous wizards 
what I've done is I've delved in my research, I've delved into English folklore and into beliefs, um, uh, dru druidic, pagan, Celtic beliefs and cultures, because A, we're setting this game uh, in England, as far as I'm aware, or certainly within the UK, but B, it also seemed more interesting if the arcane and sort of the, the, the magic comes from from the earth, from fairly mundane sources. And so I was uh, uh, inspired to do some reading into sort of British and certainly English folklore. Yeah. And so this character develops more into a shaman or a soothsayer or a witch, which is what a lot of certainly women would have been known as if they'd shown any form of magical ability in, uh, in certainly in the past few hundred years, perhaps up to a thousand years. Um, and so I then started to develop the character a bit more and started to think about, well, if, if this character is more of a witch or more of a shaman, then where am I going to draw the influence from? And I started thinking more, and I, I did a bit of reading into Arthurian legend, to medieval folklore and, and legend, and I was instantly drawn to um, Morgan Le Fay from Arthurian legend, who, of course, was a, a powerful enchantress. Um, and then I thought more about a, a character like the Lady of the Lake from the same stories, and how these are women who have been imbued with some form of fantasy uh, uh, powers and destructive elemental magic and enchanting malachi but that it, it, it comes from an, uh, an innate source that is somewhere within the realms. And taking it a step further, then I started reading more into uh, uh, a bit of Dungeons & Dragons folklore, um, where I came across Mab, Queen of Air and, Air and Darkness, who I believe is also in the Dresden Files, Queen of the Winter Court, I believe. Yeah, I believe she's, uh, she's another old English folklore type from the, um, all your, your fairy mythology. Mm, that's it that's it it's sort of drawing on the natural elements rather than anything that is created in, in in a laboratory or anything that is sort of given to you by a higher power it's magic and arcane uh, uh forces that can be pulled from the earth and from the woods and, and from the seas and from the lake and then the last two sorry the last two characters i could think of were, were two characters or sorry um from two sources that i high and very high regard uh, and that's the witcher book series and the lodge of sorceresses and secondly, um, from Neil Gaiman's American Gods, the character of Easter, who is uh, represented as like a pagan goddess who holds power over the lands and can make the crops wilt at, uh, at the click of a finger. This is all very cool because we, we have, obviously we haven't really started playing yet. We haven't started creating the story yet, but what we have are sort of emerging themes from the setting, which are the stuff that's starting to come through is like deep memory and, and old stories having power and, and that kind of thing. So it's really cool to hear that you've been diving into the old folklore, it makes sense that they, that they would have power in this story. And like I say, I wanted to keep it within, within our, our fair island rather than taking inspiration from mainland European or, or East Asian or any other, any other folklore. I think it would be good to keep it sort of close to home and investigate what crazy things we've been coming up with for the past 2,000 years. Well, let's, uh, let's actually go through the playbook from Monster of the Week, The Spellslinger, starting with your, with your look. So it gives you uh, it gives you some gender options to pick from. It gives you some dress options to pick from, and some eyes options. Can you talk to us about how you took inspiration from that and what your character looks like? Certainly. So it may not come as any surprise to anybody listening that I've decided to design and play as a female character. I wanted to play that sort of almost like a, a stereotype of what medieval people would have referred to as a witch, and I wanted to play as a, a magic user with this by it imbued power and I, I couldn't get any further from the initial image in my head which was of a slightly elderly woman 
dressed in a, a, a wonderfully drab palette of green and moss and brown with sort of long, long graying hair, but quite striking, striking features. I've sort of taken it down, down the route of she, she wants to appear to, to the world around her that she's a doddery old woman and doesn't know anything, but deep down she's holding you know, ancient, ancient powers and is much more turned on and much more together than she'd like other people to think. So from that list, I've gone for woman. <laughs> I've gone for, uh, I, I guess, sort of old-fashioned clothes. Like I, like I say, it's not, it's not completely hippy-dippy. I, I think it's, like I say, just a, just a mixture of greens and browns in this sort of fairly plain wear that she, that she wears. But I wanted, if I was a costume designer, I'd certainly have little elements of Celtic or Druidic influence. Um, so, you know, a, a hair scarf or Celtic knot earrings or something that sort of threw back to her, to her past. And then, thank you for asking about her eyes. I didn't actually think of her eyes. Let's have a look. I'd like to pick fierce eyes, please. I want her to have <laughs> piercing grey eyes. Very cool. Does she have a name yet? She does, Matthew. Thank you so much for asking. She does have a name. Because in, in my research and in my delving into local folklore, I came across this common idea that, it, that exists in British mythology and has been echoed throughout many other cultures as well. The idea of a hag or an old witch character. And I came across this character from, from the north of England, more specifically from uh, Lancashire folklore, called Old Ginny Greenteeth, who supposedly, <laughs> who supposedly is a pond hag who uh, lies in wake at the bottom of ponds and uh, entices children and elderly people to drown in deceptively deep pools. And supposedly it's still a nickname that's used to this day to describe pondweed, especially pondweed that floats on a particularly deep pond. Well, this is very cool because uh, somebody in a previous character creation episode has already added a pond to the town. So we know that it's got one. <laughs> Excellent. I, I just wanted to point out nice and early, I don't intend to drown children and elderly <laughs> in this character. I've taken the name and the inspiration and I thought, well, maybe if she's been around for a while, maybe she's been driven out of a village in the past or in one of her past lives and has been sort of suspected to have been a witch and have drowned children, but actually she's just a kindly old, old lady. So that's, that, that's the inspiration and that indeed is the name. So I'm going for Ginny Greenteeth. Very cool. Uh, and what about your ratings, your stats? So as the spell slinger, you always get plus two weird, uh, because that is the stat that you will need to do all of your magic. But you have a lot of uh, options for what your other four ratings are going to be. So yeah, do you want to be like a more of a charming spell slinger, more of a cool spell slinger, more of a sharp spell slinger? What are you thinking? So the two things that I've mentioned in my character creation process... The weird, obviously, I'm going to be taking the plus two because I don't have any other choice. And the other statistics, well, I want her to be, I want her to be switched on. I want everybody to think that she's a doddery old woman from the middle of England who is part of the women's institution and does embroidery and whatever else. But actually, she's on it and she knows a lot about the arcane and she knows a lot about what's happening in, in the town, in Sherry Down. So I'm going to go for weird plus two, sharp plus two. I'm going to go for tough minus one because... She's quite old and frail. I have a charm minus one, not necessarily meaning that she is not charming, but uh, it's just that people don't treat her with the respect that someone of her age deserves, which leaves my cool at zero. So weird plus two, sharp plus two, cool zero, charm minus one, tough minus one. Cool. 
Yeah. So you're you're going to be great at magic and great at investigating and spotting things, but not quite so good at potentially, well, not so good at physical fighting, but the first move that you get to pick or, or sort of design as the spell slinger is your combat magic. Mm-hmm. So normally when people fight, they roll plus tough, you get to roll plus weird instead, and you get special kinds of magic that nobody else gets access to, which you get to kind of build up from these elements in the playbook. So uh, you get three options from the, the tick boxes there. At least one of them has to be a base. You could have two bases in effect, uh, or you three bases, or one base and two effects. Cool. So I for sure want the base wall. Cool. I want to be able to control the battlefield, and uh, in case my foes or protect my friends, I'm going to take wall. I'm not going to go too blasty. I'm going to leave fire because... One of the places that Ginny gets her powers, apart from the pond, as we've just established, is also the woods. And so I think she might be a, a little bit hesitant to be throwing fire magic around lest she burn down the thing where she gets her power from. So I'm going to avoid fire. I'm going to go for frost or ice. Nice. Because it is awfully cold in this village, I've just decided. So that will mean that your, your wall does less damage to things trying to get through it, but it offers more protection to things trying to harm you through it. Bingo. And then I'm going to take lightning as well. Cool. So at the moment I can make walls of lightning and walls of ice. And hopefully as we play, I'll be able to form that into a weapon, perhaps a missile or a ball. But for the time being, I like the idea of controlling the battlefield using storm energy and frosty nastiness. And one of my favorite things about uh, Spellslinger Combat Magic is that every single one of the uh, spells you can make out of it has the tags obvious and loud. You cannot do ma- combat magic subtly. You are going to cause, you're going to make a mess. Anybody who knows me well knows that subtlety is in my strong suit. <laughs> yep. So then, in terms of other moves, you get one called, one by default called Tools and Techniques, which is basically defines what you need on you to be able to do your combat magic. Uh, You have the choice of consumables, foci, gestures, incantations. You get to cross one off, and you will need the other three on you any time that you want to do your magic. So which one don't you need? Because I don't want to go down the typical route of a wizard needing a wand or a stave or a staff, I will get rid of foci, please. Cool. Okay, so you are going to consume things, powders, oils, unguents, etc., Uh, when you do magic, and you are going to have to wave your hands about and say some magic words. That's absolutely fantastic news. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Once again, not subtle. No, not at all. Very theatrical. Um, So then you get three other Spellslinger moves from the Spellslinger moves list. Have you had to think about what you want there? I didn't. I spent so long reading about bog hags and (laughs) gnomes and, and all sorts of other things that I didn't read in too much. Uh, let's I'll, I'll run through them very quickly and maybe we can open this up to the floor about what people think might be appropriate and give you a hand with the decision right so you get the choice of advanced arcane training which means that you need less stuff less of that stuff we just talked about on you to cast spells an arcane reputation uh, which means that various players either monstrous magical or in the community are aware of you and you're better at dealing with them It could have been worse, which basically gives you some different options for when magic goes wrong. (laughs) It's less likely to go completely (laughs) out of control. (laughs) 
enchanted clothing, which means that you can have uh, a bit of clothing that basically kind of gives you a bit of protection. Forensic divination, uh, which means that when you're investigating things, which you will be good at because you have good sharp, as as well as the other questions you'd normally get to ask, you get to ask what magic was done here. So you can see if magic has been done places. Go big or go home, uh, which makes you better at doing really big spells that require like lots of ritual not my fault which basically gives you a bonus to rolls where you're dealing with the outcomes of your own spells going wrong practitioner gives you a bonus to do certain types of magic shield spell uh, which lets you protect people better and third eye uh, which means that you can kind of see invisible things uh, and supernatural stuff I've got some ideas from your reading, but I'd like to hear what Ellen and uh, Dave think. I like the idea of go big or go home. Yeah, that was the first one that kind of caught my attention as well, was go big or go home. Sounds like I'll be sort of a Hail Mary move at the end of a fight. No subtlety needed. No, absolutely. Okay, cool. Now I like that. I like that. What did you guys think? So I'm thinking either the forensic divination or the third eye. I thought... Forensic divination sounds just super cool in its own right. It does. Could be super useful as well. Um, And something that other people are less likely to be able to do. I agree. And I think it makes sense for the character to have a kind of connection to the magic that's been going on in the place that she lives. Hmm. They're sort of, they're quite similar, but the two of them, the third eye and the forensic divination, but they apply in slightly different circumstances. So the the forensic divination is for when you're looking for clues about like what has happened here, how did this person get attacked, uh, where might they, where might the monster have gone, that kind of like police work kind of side of it. Whereas the third eye is for when you are like going into a dangerous situation and you want to look around and see what the risks are it can give you more information about that. So it's kind of which of those that you think you would like help with. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, forensic divination does sound awesome. And in my head, she's definitely a lady that reads tea leaves and uh, definitely probably has a few um, few tarot cards hidden away somewhere. So I think she's interested in soothsaying, for sure. Third eye does sound cool, though, because it's a third eye. But I think, I think I'm going to go for forensic divination. Okay, so you've got Go Big or Go Home, Forensic Divination. You get a third one. I do, and I think um, it makes sense. She's been around here for a long time. I'm going to say arcane reputation. I want some friends or I want some enemies uh, in the supernatural community, please. All right, well, you get to define what those are in that case, which means you get to add some more lore. Well, you drowned all those kids, didn't you? (laughs) Uh, Certainly didn't. That was never proven in a court of law. Uh, So, yeah, it's not like those... (laughs) <laughs> those kids' parents have formed an action group and uh, marching on my little hut. What sort of, as anything, does your folklore reading present anything? Like what sort of uh, folkloric or supernatural creatures might a witch or hag or uh, wise woman associate with? Are we looking at sort of your, pi- your piskies? Mm. Well, f- well, for a start, Matt, I, uh, I reject the term hag. That's quite offensive to my people. <laughs> I apologise, I take it You back. used it yourself. Yeah, yeah okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> so I think that, yeah, maybe maybe there is secretly like a coven of hags who are Ooh, yeah. less less humanoid. They, they, are, they are truly monsters. It might be a bit of a hybrid, 
they might have humanoid characteristics, but they've sort of lost their minds and they do the, the typical double, double, you know, toil and trouble, the eye of Newton, all that nonsense, which she just thinks is absolute poppycock. <laughs> um, but I think she might be in with them. Okay. And I think they might be hidden somewhere in the woods. Um, she, she knows how to find them. Cool. So that's a potentially, potentially slightly dangerous group. Yeah. So good to have some sway with. Uh, any others come to mind? Anybody else want to suggest any? It's, so the wording is uh, big organizations or groups in the supernatural community, which can include some of the more sociable types of monsters. What about um, the, like the old gods or spirits of nature and stuff that you might have crossed or, um, or dabbled with in the past, something like that? Yeah, looking at like uh, dryads and woodwodes and river spirits and those sorts mm-hmm. of things. Yeah, I reckon there'd be a cluster, a collection of fae-ish creatures yeah. that live in the woods that have got the sort of antlers and panpipes and satyrs and dancing and stuff that hang around in the woods that I'm in with. Lovely. Okay, so we've got we've got coven. We've got. I'm just going to say woodland fae for now. <laughs> yep. Uh, and you get one more. And I think maybe there should be some sort of organisation: men in black, men with blue gloves, style gathering around to get me or don't like me or do like me maybe they come to me for advice maybe this is a department of emissions sure they are the the government department who are supposed to take care of this stuff but have kind of had funding cuts and pulled out of sherry down and are are leaving it to leaving it defenseless but it would make sense if you've been around for a while that you'd have dealings with them and they're an important organization in the supernatural community i certainly get the impression that if there was some involvement between the Department of Emissions and Ginny that I think they'd probably pass her by. I think they'd, I don't think they'd realise her actual potential. I think her style of magic, her style of old magic is seen as a little bit old fashioned um, and looked down upon in, in modern society. And so I think that they just sort of ignore her and maybe they'd come to her every so often because uh, she intrigues them. But I don't think they see her as a threat, and I think they certainly underestimate her. So I think maybe rather than a positive or a negative uh, impression or relationship, it should just be one of indifference. <laughs> but if they're, if they're your third one for arcane reputation, uh, you're, you're better at getting what you want out of them, so maybe it's that they underestimate you. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Maybe, maybe when they come in, I, I, I lift certain things off of them, or I t- do a reading, or I, I, I give them some funky tea and they spill all their secrets, that sort of thing. That's cool. Yeah, and that's good because that, that gives you a tie into some of the uh, existing fiction that we've got for the story, which is great. Brilliant. So that's all your moves. Uh, last thing to do on the playbook is gear. You don't need much because you are a combat mage, but you still have, you get one sort of weapon as backup. So my three choices here are old revolver, ritual knife, and heirloom sword. I think that she would find an old revol- a revolver to be um, uh, a little uh, too, too, too loud, a little too gauche, a little bit too American. I don't think she would have touched one of those before. Uh, and I don't think she's got the upper body strength to wield a sword. So I think that she's going to be playing with a ritual knife. Cool. Yeah, I, that feels like the right choice to me as well. 100%. Nice. So just a few more character details before we finish off. How long have you known about the the hidden world, the world that most people forget? So this is something I wanted to chat to you about as Games Master, Matt, was 
in my head, I think that she's known about it forever for all of her lives. That's absolutely good. Yeah, I, I, I don't want her. I, I don't want to break the game and be a two thousand year old immortal. But I would like. Uh, we've got a we've got a couple of those, so you you can not be one, and that'll be fine. Certainly, I, I don't want to tread on any toes. But I would like her to have been in a different form in the past. Cool. I would like her to have been reincarnated several times over, and so when she was given the name Ginny Greenteeth by the horrible townsfolk after she was wrongly accused of drowning all their children <laughs> i'd like to think that took place in a medieval setting and that she's been around for for millennia but in different forms and she she remembers parts of her previous lives whether she was a human or an animal or a breeze or a single drop of rain she remembers parts of those lives you know what there is a there is a move i can give you that that re- represents that um, in an, one of the expansions to the game, there is a, a move that is a roll weird to see if you know something from your past lives. So uh, I will give you the text for that, and that can be part of your character. Brilliant. So that's cool. Yeah, you've known forever because you're sort of part of this world, I guess. Mm. Mm. Um, so do you have to actually do anything active to stop yourself forgetting things? So I think because she's a spellslinger, but because she is one of few people that can access this sort of high-level destructive magic, I think it courses through her blood and through her spirit. I think it's always been there. I do think that she has to go through certain daily routines and traditions and rituals in order to revise certain elements of the supernatural. But I don't think she's ever going to forget. She might be a little bit absent-minded at times and and forget some of the, the words that form her spells and, you know, she loses her, her unguents and her royals every so often. But I, I, I think that it's, it's within her. It's more on the level of gone into a room and forgot why you've gone in there. 100%. Than fully forgetting stuff. Okay. Yep. She's still got to go out and she's still got to, you know, commune with the trees every morning and she's still got to draw the pentagram on the floor and, you know, pray to the old gods. She's still got to, you know... A whistle, whistle down the wind every yeah. morning but that is a way of her um, just keeping it at the forefront of her mind nice has she lived all of this life in sherry down no no i think in keeping with where i've stolen this character from i think she's originally from lancashire nice <laughs> i mean we haven't decided what county it's in I, I haven't even fully decided exactly how to pronounce it yet i think it'll very much depend where in the country it is if it's up north mm-hmm. if it's up north it's more sheridan and if it's sure. down south, it's more sherry down, darling. 100%. If it's in Scotland, we've no idea what it is this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So you, uh, yeah, you came to town. And would you like to add a feature to the town? Yes, please. So I want her to be in charge of a local tourist trap. I want Sheridan, Sherry Down, Sheridan to be <laughs> en route to Stonehenge or to Wookie Hole or to another more sort of visited part of rural England and I want it to be sort of a bit of a bit of a coach stop in the uh, in the peak summer months and so I think that she's been here long enough that she knows this and she's taking full advantage I want her to have built a gift shop close to a local oddity and in my head that's kind of like a a whispering cave where there's sort of a few maybe a few glow worms and and a few prehistoric drawings, many of which she's drawn herself to yeah, keep the crowds <laughs> from coming in. And, and, and I think she's totally exploiting uh, the tourists that come through. I think that she's built 
a few little fairy houses and she's uh, built a wishing well you like lucky stones and stuff and she's imbued certain elements with them with her petty magic so when the tourist goes to the wishing well she's set a little a little magic trap that sets out a little noise or a sound or a flash of light and she says oh look the pixies are talking to us and actually it's her just totally rinsing them so yeah i'd, I'd, I'd like her to be in charge of um of that tourist trap plus a little gift shop very nice and then finally as we start our story uh Ginny Greenteeth will be part of this like grassroots community effort to step in and uh, defend the community from the unseen where the the do has decided to neglect it what what made you decide to join that organization and that effort two reasons it is important that the woods and that the town and the copses and the glens and the surrounding countryside must be saved from whatever monstrosities are being belched from the earth. It's very important to her that this town does not fall and that uh, certainly the, um, the natural side of the surroundings need to be kept intact. Uh, and two, she's bored because business is picking up and she's recently taken on an apprentice to work down the gift shop and she's got a lot of spare time on her hands. <laughs> so she's just looking for something to do. That's very fair. Great. Well, I can't wait to meet this person. Anybody else got any questions about uh, Ginny Greenteeth? No, that was very comprehensive. Awesome work. Very nice. Well, Josh, you are more than ready to play. Indeed, I'll start working on my Lancashire <laughs> accent now. This has been Vigil, a main house production from Merely Roleplayers. It stars Chris Starkey as Cameron Jarvis, Natalie Winter as Gwynedd, Strat as Briar, and Josh Yard as Ginny Greenteeth. Sound design for this production is by Natalie Winter, and the theme music is by Alex Pankhurst. I'm Matt Boothman, and I play the supporting cast, as well as editing and producing this episode. We were playing Monster of the Week, a role-playing game by Michael Sands, published by Evil Hat Productions. You can find Monster of the Week at genericgames.co.nz. Merely Roleplayers is a Foggy Outline production in association with Blackshaw Theatre Company. Until next time, if drama be the food of life, play on.